as soon as the word psychology come in, it's about mad people. And it's not about that. It's the behavior of people, studying the behavior of people. And that's the value add where we can take hands and say, how do we mesh this? Because security is also studying people. It's also watching people and make a conclusion. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Industrial Psychology for Security. Today, we are going to be talking with Nico and Nicoline Schutter, both industrial psychologists from the University of Johannesburg and Big links to the EP industry out in South Africa, notably the TSU organization. We're going to be talking about how this applies to executive protection. Uh, John Moss and myself, very intrigued about this topic. So, uh, John, why should our EP community get excited? Palum, I have no idea what we're talking about today. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't fully understand where this fits in to uh, the broader security industry or whether it is more of a uh, individual's responsibility or something we should care about so what's your like when you you know you brought this uh topic to us um mm. what's what's your thinking because i th- i think you've got a better uh, starting point okay well that makes sense and and that might be the same attitude to, for, for, for many listeners. What this is designed to help with is to prevent employee turnover. It's designed to improve employee management. It's impro- improving well-being and due diligence for your um, uh, staff, but also getting under their skin to work out what makes them tick, what's going to help them work better. It's more than just doing uh, lackluster interviews with them or exit interviews if they've disappeared from your organization. It's much more about working out how remuneration or compensation or anything of that matter could or could not motivate them because it could be the highest paid role in the market. But if you know that they are going to feel unbelievably stressed, they will not take the work and you will be left without any uh, operators. We're, we're, we're looking at how to properly train them and evaluate them. And we talk a lot on this podcast about upskilling. And yes, that's a nice word, but how do we know that they got cognition you know how do we know that they got the skill that we sent them off to learn and how do we know that in fact that is a crucial part of their career um so 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 we're applying organizational psychology to ep with uh two south african uh, colleagues who have been instrumental at least in my very first uh, conference way back in 2016 the uh, cp tech forum and and, and we're going to get their take on why ep can stand to benefit a lot from this okay that's great so definitely if i'm an employer a hiring manager you know somebody in the corporate structure i, I can now see the importance of that you've got my attention but as a self-employed uh, protector, uh, how is this relevant to, to me? And what will I be looking for in the episode? What will I want to get out of this? 
So probably two things. One for the immediate, uh, you know, years and, uh, and months to come, which is how do I speak that corporate language? How do I get them to understand my needs and make sure that I don't just drop off the radar? How do I get that professionalization down? How do I highlight the different skill sets that I need to uh, you know, pro pro progress? And how do I communicate that to a potential employer? But then if you think about it, one of the very, very usual career paths is to start to employ people yourself. And it's really key to see how that is done. It's not just HR mumbo jumbo. It's actual an uh, you know, it's an actual workplace management strategy that looks at how to get under the skin of your employees to see, you know, what motivates them. The other application, and this is just an added benefit, is to see how your adversaries are motivated. Um, that is more psychology than organizational psychology, admittedly, but some of the same principles apply. Just as when I think we had another uh, segment on fixated individuals, imagine that someone comes up and says the movie star that you're protecting I'm going to marry them next week. The very worst thing psychologically to say to them is, no, you're not, shut them down and then, you know, accost them. The better answer is, oh, really? When? These better questions, these more engaging questions get a lot more information for your day-to-day -day operations. So either for your immediate work to get people to understand where you're coming from and make your life a bit better, or when you're going to employ people in the near or, or, or longer term future. Okay, so I'm going to be smarter by the end of this podcast. Well, maybe. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to get. Because quite often with these sessions, we bring in an outside expert and say, "How does this apply to EP?" But with Nico having come from a family in EP in South Africa, the place that a lot of people go for their EP training, I believe this will be a great fit. Okay, well, I'm primed and ready ready to get stuck into this fantastic well let's meet nico and nicolene schurter on the topic of industrial organizational psychology for the security world and now let's meet one of the contributors to the circuit magazine Understanding the psychology behind security talent management. Today, John Moss and myself are delighted to welcome Nico and Nicolene Schutter, industrial psychologists with Johannesburg University, with a keen interest in the psychological side of the talent industry within security. It's a great pleasure to have you on, both of you. How are you doing? Thank you, um, Pelham, and thank you, John. I think it's great seeing you again and talking to you. We're doing wonderful here in South Africa. Uh, we thought it's going to be a sunny day, but we it's rainy like London, so we we're good to go. Love it. And and what about you, Nicolene? Well, good afternoon, and it's wonderful. I'm connecting um, with you again, and um, I like this whole thing of technology, um, bringing us together and also sharing some thoughts on a very important topic this afternoon. So we want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And like Nico rightfully said, I think it feels like we're sitting in England. It's raining. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, like for us, we our hearts are warm about this topic, and we're very excited to contribute this afternoon. Very good. So, so, so let's jump in. This topic the psychology of uh, you know talent management within security what is the problem you are trying to solve 
I think uh, first and foremost, Pelham, I think one of the things that we wanted to talk about and where we come from, it's all about the security mindset is to talk about what is the paradigm when we talk about security and in, in, in what is the mindset worldwide about when we talk about and 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 I've been like I said previously engaging with you on your uh, with in London is when you talk about security in London is it standardized when you talk in South Africa if people talk about a security guard or like you said an executive uh, protection guard what do they see what do they think about it how do people perceive themselves when they take on that uniform do they see themselves and perceive themselves as uh, as professionals do they think they possess a professional and a professional com set of competencies how do they say how do they view themselves and then how does the world view them how does the, the people out there view them and their conduct you know how do they operate when they do their job so there's a huge thing when it comes to talent and talent management and it's all with regards to professionalization and standardization to say okay if i talk about american security industry vis-a-vis -vis talk about the UK, you talk about South African, what do we talk? Do we talk about a different blend of people? Do we talk about the same people? How do they think about them? And why is there a difference in the nuances and the thinking about? So that's what we normally talk about. And, and Nicolene, I'd be interested, you know, why is that important? And thank you very much for the question, um, Pelham. Um, so we've done a lot of work on talent management um, in South Africa, and we also work um, with quite a lot of people globally. And there's a massive gap in terms of the talent management itself within the security industry. Um, now, let's be honest with one another. Um, the nature and the type, you know, like of security threats um, that we are facing, you know, like currently, um, not only South Africa, but also on a global scale, is changing so rapidly. Um, they actually, in fact, you know, like, um, it's like, um, I don't want to call it criminals, but they're becoming more professional, you know, like they're becoming more clever with what they are doing. And we really need people, um, you know, to be skilled and competent um, to address, you know, like um, all the different areas related to security. Um, so what's important for me is that, um, is that, for example, um, kidnapping has now been identified as an official crime within South Africa. And we really need people, and we've got a drastic shortage of people who can really tap um, into that area. And I don't even speak of globally. So what is very important um, is that we really start looking, you know, like, um, like Nicole rightfully said, security should become a profession. Um, it should become really a respected profession. It's not only about being a security guard, but it's really a person, you know, like with this acumen, you know, like, and those unique gifts, you can act really, you know, like in any given um, situation. Um, so I think what's very important is that where I see the future going is that there's going to be a, a really a growth in terms of careers within a security space, but we need to start becoming more proactive, you know, like, and really tap into those skill sets, you know, like, and into those mindsets and really start preparing people, you know, like for those avenues. So I think it's really critical, you know, like that we start focusing on that. Okay, and and then and then you know relating it directly to EP, um, Nico. I know I I first met you in our first close protection technology forum in London. But for for those of you in the audience that don't know uh, you, you both, you know, where's your background? Where does your passion for this come from, vis-a-vis -vis executive protection specifically? 
You know, no, thanks, Padam. Good question. I think that is very important. I'm not been in psychology or industrial psychology my life. My life started as a young policeman. So I started in the ranks at military training, uh, paramilitary training. So the passion for, for security is always there. So I've been in the ranks, been a senior, left the police uh, in 1997 as a as lieutenant colonel, uh, you know, as a senior officer, been through everything, SWAT training, all those things. Uh, that my duty. So the passion for that and understanding that background, understanding where it comes from, and also understanding that there's there's, there's areas of expertise and the set, the skill set is totally different. But my question was always, how does the community perceive us as policemen? And also, how does the industry itself perceive itself as an industry? If when it comes to professional, when we talk about a doctor, when we talk about a psychologist, there's certain criteria. I mean, if I say that you, like Nicolene rightly said, if I want to become a policeman, there were certain criteria. I couldn't go to become a policeman. Then if I want to, uh, when I went through the ranks, there's certain criteria. My question always was, what is our criteria? And why is it only that I can take anybody to become a security guard or whatever? So, and why is it not standardized, you know? So those are the questions that I always work with. Uh, okay. And 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 what about you, you, you Nicolene? Where does is, where is your passion for this come from? Um, have, have, you, have you made a segue into the world of security? Have you always been involved? Um, Bevan, thank you very much for that question. Well, as you know, I'm married into a whole family of security and, and, and those with a police background. And my real interest, you know, like in talent management and security came when I met Nico um, um, a couple of years ago, but also his late brother, uh, Mornay. And when they start talking to me about, you know, like um, what security is about, and then I said, wow. There is really a niche area, you know, like anti-scare skill um, that we need to tap in. So where I come from is that um, I'm currently a leading author in terms of talent management and the professor and the director of the Center for Work Performance. Um, so and I also call myself a pracademic. So what's important um, for me is that um, we've got the responsibility of educating people um, out there you know, like um, on what are the skill, future skill requirements for people and also giving them that acumen. But something important, um, Pelham, is that um, what I'm starting is that um, I, I'm busy working on a community project and I call it hashtag be talent safe. And the reason for that is I really want um, to create a space, you know, like um, we, can, we can become more security savvy become more security aware, you know, like within communities, but on the other hand, also train people and you know, like and educate them, you know, like to become really professional again, you know, like within that security space. Um, so I'm quite passionate about that problem and that the reason for that is really because I see um, my part of my work is really to predict the future needed skills, you know, like not only within South Africa, but also globally. And that is really a field that's going to grow very rapidly. And that, that should be, you know, music to a lot of the listeners is a lot of people for a long time have been talking about professionalization of the industry, uh, elevating the uh, the status. And of course, standards and things are actually a very hot button topic. Um, but my final quick fire question before I hand over to John is, 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 is literally what should the uninitiated EP practitioner better understand about industrial psychology it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be a natural uh, thing for them to look at uh, what, what, yeah. what should they better understand about the discipline i think from my side first and foremost i think 
something that, that people don't understand is the cause and effect. Everything has a cause and effect. And one of the things that as policemen is that, you know, we, we tough, we don't cry, you know, uh, we don't, you know, uh, we don't show emotions. And I think that's something that we need to understand. Although it's a tough environment, we still deal with emotions. And if you can better deal with your emotions, and that's where we come out to understand those emotions. If people understand, okay, I'm in the, uh, a tough war, but that doesn't mean I have to be tough with regard to my emotions. How do I deal with, with tough situations when I get into contact? How do I deal with this? Because it seems that you're a failure if you talk to psychologists, but it's just a basic understanding of emotions. How do I deal with my emotions? How do I deal with tough situations? Because remember, most of these people are married people. They're in situations where there's relationships. How do I deal with, with tough relationships? All those things where the psychology comes in, where we can add value to give them a basic understanding of the world around us. How do I deal with people? How do I deal with teams? How do I deal with all this? That's a psychology what, what comes to, 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 to mind, just as a quick burner. Uh, and and would you would you concur, Nicolleen? I mean, you know, if, if I'm an EP operator and I'm not a director and I'm not managing a team, should I worry about industrial psychology? Yes, um, Pelham, definitely. Um, because remember, and what and Nico rightfully said, you know, like uh, with us as industrial psychologists, you know, like um, we really equip you, you know, like with skills, you need to be able to read situations. You need to be able, for, um, you know, like to see, okay, this is the type of person or between brackets criminal, you know, like um, or trespasser that I'm dealing with. So how can I best, you know, like behave and act? you know, like in this given situation, you know, like to really to try prevent, you know, like or mitigate, you know, like even um, a further conflict. So I think we really, um, and, and that is an area again, Palin, that I'm very excited about is that um, in our area of industrial psychology, you know, like is that we can tap really way more, you know, like um, into the security because in the end of the day, like um, Nico said, it's not only tactical, you know, like um, you're really working with a, a great, you know, like scope of people. And if we really can educate, you know, like um, the security industry in how to deal with people in a given situation, I think, you know, like we can take this much more forward. Well, thanks for that, guys. That's really illuminating. And, and I say that very specifically to lead me into my first question. As somebody who's, um, I, I spent 12 years in the military and I've been in uh, the private security industry now for uh, more than that time. I'm not going to do the math, uh, but but it adds up <laughs> to a considerable amount of time. And I think it's safe to say that the term industrial psychology is not one that I've heard referenced very much. It's not something that I'm forced to examine or consider, uh, certainly not on a daily basis, if you know, at all, at least not, at least not by uh, that phrase and that term. Is, is there another way, perhaps, as the protector on the ground, that I might better recognize it, a, a, another term? And, and I know, Nico, you, you mentioned there, you, you broke it down really well, actually, and, and said that essentially, you know, it breaks down to, you know, dealing with emotion and things like that. But, but in terms of it being uh, somebody's responsibility and something we should be watchful for, wh how, would I, how would I identify that within a corporate structure? Let's start. 
John, very, very good question. I think we also talk about organizational or behaviorist, you know. Uh, one of the things that you talk about is, is exactly when it comes to the, the, the emotional intelligence of people, you know. And also remember in the old, and you're coming from a military uh, background, uh, I'm coming from an old, let me talk an older background, where we talk about command and control. Command and control is not is no more there. People can't talk. If as soon as somebody talks, yes, I'm still a commander, I'm still in control, then you know where he comes from. Then you understand that he's right, is everything. So his mind's gonna is is in a paradigm and it didn't move. It didn't, we call it the agility, that that adaptiveness haven't happened. Because when you talk about connect, we're working in a connective world, people need to, need to understand that we're no more in a command control, we're in a managerial situation we in the leadership position meaning that you, although you're the expert you also need to acknowledge other people's expertise within the team and that's what where we come into it to, to, to say to people you know what we're not here to to go against what you, you we just want to make it better for you as a as a as a and we call it the abc the attitude the behavior and the conduct you know what is your attitude all about how's your attitude influence your behavior and that will influence your conduct at the end so that is the things johnny that makes sense mm. yeah yeah it does and uh so where does the responsibility start for adopting uh you know a more proactive attitude towards this i think what is um you know like i'm um, important you know like it really starts you know like um with the profession yeah you know, like um, itself, you know, like um, uh, to, to add to what Nico has said is that, um, and I don't want to generalize here, and I must be careful what I'm saying now is that, but for example, if you have been a victim of crime, you know, like, and how, for example, sometimes, you know, like, um, how can I say, um, security professionals and so on, or in the safety and security industry treats you, they almost let you feel that you are the person who committed the crime, you know, like, and that is where psychology, you know, like, really plays an important role, you know, like, um, because um, still, you know, like, we go to you, you know, like, because we expect of you, you know, like, to protect us, or at least listen to what has happened um, to us. So I think really, and that is, it starts with the profession. And I think something that's lacking, you know, like is again, um, those standards, you know, like um, that we need to set in terms of conduct. Um, you know, like I know in some countries they might be standards, you know, others not. So it's also context specific, but for any given profession, there are some codes and rules and conduct to adhere to. And um, even though, you know, like there are the rules and, um, you know, like and so on, which is good legislation, which is good, we don't go and tap deeper you know, like really into the underlying behavioral manifestations um, that should come out of it. And that is becoming more and more critical, you know, like as we are moving towards more, you know, like human-centric um, organizations and so on. So I think it's really important. Um, but it also starts with us as educators. We need to start, you know, like I'm um, sharing, you know, like um, this type of, how can I say, news, you know, like with industry as well. Um, we need to start building more bridges also from our side that we can work as a collective and overcome that. Just quickly to, to add to what Nicolene said, I think uh, when you come to this this industry, it's, it's a lot about studying people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, where I come from, I did a lot of, 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 of certain stuff to watch people, studying them. And that's where I think we need to, to you know, just to, to be a little bit, uh, how can I say, unlock what psychology, because as soon as the word psychology come in, it's about mad people. And it's not about that. It's the behavior of people, studying the behavior of people. And that's the value add where we can take hands and say, how do we mesh this? Because security is also studying people. It's also 
watching people and make a, 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 a sum it up and make a, con a, a, a conclusion and a, a comment about, I've seen something happen. My gut tell me there's something gonna happen. Where does that gut come from? And we quantify that where we can work with people and say, psychology is not only, it's also about the mind and put, put words to that and give it a, a, a context uh, in, in the behavior of people. Okay, so let, I, I got a two part question. So first of all, just to paint a picture, and this is purely from your perspective, huh. where are we at as an industry, the security industry? And, and I know that's very broad, perhaps when you compare it to other industries like, you know, health and so on, where are we at in terms of, you know, taking this on as a responsibility and assuming that we're not perfect because it's very rare yeah. that we ever are. Um, what is it that's holding us back? Is it budget? Is it an attitude? You know, is it education? Yeah. Uh, um, I think you've, you've got it spot on, Ron. I think it's, it's, the industry, remember what happened with, 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 with and we just talked about it. Uh, we inherited, uh, in, let's talk about the Roman era. We, we, we started and we started this military. The, we all know that the 300 and, you know, we all watched the movies, this robustness, and it's all about the military background, where it comes from. But we need to understand that times change and it's nothing to do with how perfect we are mm. because I think the training is, is it's good. It's, it's really, really good. It's all about, and, and, and the, the question that we need to ask, it's all about, you just said it very importantly, it's the mindset about the industry. If we really want to say we want to professionalize this industry, what is it that we're going to do better? How are we going to rethink this industry? Not to say that we have to do certain things better or now we all become psychologists. No is to say, okay, what do we mean by professionalization? And it doesn't mean that we all of us have now to go to university and study, that's not it. It can be that it is a specific skill set in line with certain uh, knowledge that we need to know. But they, it, I mean, if you think about the Green Berets or you think about special forces, it's nothing to go to a university, but in order to qualify, there's a specific rule before you wear the badge. And if you wear the badge, there's a specific persona con con connected to it. Everybody now, when you wear that badge, wow, this is somebody who's done it. And the question is, what has this person done? What has he been through? And that's where we come in to say, okay, you know what? You can still go through those robust things, but where do we take hands and help the industry become, you know, more open to certain, like like I said, because you talk about the industry, we talk about people, and as soon as you talk to uh, talk to us about people mm -hmm. and organizations, there's a blend and there's, there's things that we can help you with. Mm. So it's almost a culture then, I think. Yeah. Certainly yeah. with your reference to, you know, elite units and special forces, uh, you, you know, where it's it's certainly not about budget and, and about waiting for somebody to command you or tell you to do something exactly. or even you know for that an outside agency to come and implement it it's that you see the value of doing it and you take it upon yourself because that's your culture of doing that and you want to improve and you want to improve uh the unit the organization the industry that you're a part of yeah 
and, and, and it's instilling and it's like instilling that sense of pride you know like in yourself you know like you're proud to be you know like in the security industry you know like because you're a professional you know like um, you're yeah. good at what you're doing you know like um and i think that's important and it's and it's becoming more agile you know like and also like nico said changing our mindset um you know like we also belong to other you know like um professional industries and no one is perfect, you know, like we all, but we all need to grow. And I think that is the message, you yeah. know, like, and we all need to grow to a better, you know, like future and a better purpose. And I think really to just realize, wow. And that is why I come in with talent and say, listen, I'm in security, I'm talented, you know, like, and I'm making a contribution. So, and that is also important part, again, bringing in the psychology, working with that mindset of a person. Yeah. If I can add to that, you said a very important thing that I want to add to. Think about it and, and we, we continue to use the word. And there's a word that we use, and that word is, is loaded. The word, I think, think about black water. What happened? There's a huge, huge thing about that. And that's because there's a word that we, we use. And that word is a culture word. The word is military. Now, what is the difference between the word military? and security, or do we do interchange? Do we use it as the same thing? And if we use it as the same thing, we're gonna have problems. So that's where we come from to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to redefine what is meant with the word security. And if we talk about the word security, what culture would we have uh, tried to contribute? Do we, if we talk about professionalism and we talk about you know a professionalization, what is this culture then to say, okay, let's move away. Yes, it's a, it's a military action, but it's not military per se. So that is the things, John, that we, we think about when we need to think in a new way. Because yes, we all understand military, we all come, but that's a total different culture. If we think about what's happening in the security industry and not even to think about cybersecurity, that's nothing to do with, with military. It's a guy hacking into stuff and, and it's total different uh, you know, aspect. And so yeah, just to add to what you're saying. I'm really interested in this because, as, as, as you said, industrial psychology has other forms, other names, organizational psychology, yeah, yeah. probably, you know, related. Uh, a lot of people in corporations use it as an HR function and yeah. they look at how to get uh, better job retention, uh, satisfaction, um, not so much turnover. Um, they, they're looking at, you know, pay levels and, and, and happiness and, and things like that. I'm interested in how you or anyone uh, can get a better handle on let's say the ep community mm -hmm. or man guards where they are not sitting in an office how do you do yeah. that research how do you find out um did you pull them to one side and say you've been on deployment to chad let's sit down and see how happy you are you know how, how does that work in practice I think just to, yes, uh, I think this, this, this podcast is too short. I think we, we should have a series on it. Because one thing that you, that you talk about is where we come from. Let's take about, let's go to the to a, a industry. Uh, if we, let's say in London, one of the security companies, let's take uh, Group 4 or uh, whatever. The first thing we're going to talk about, let's say, let's look about the turnaround time for people. What is the turnover? Of, of people moving in and out of the organization. If you look at the turnover, it will tell you a story. Why is there so many people coming into the organization? And why is there so many people leaving the organization? Then you're gonna talk about the levels. So let's like at entry level, and we're gonna quantify what entry level means. Let's look at supervisory level. Let's look at, at, at what you're talking about, EP level, where it's very, very specific. What is the 
people coming in? How many con how many continue with the company? How many? Why is the the turnaround of people and the the, the uh, leaving the organization? Is it about health? Is it about wealth? What is it all about? And that's where the questions start to talk about. Because when you talk about your low level, for instance, let's take an international company like ADT, and we say the turnaround is about. 70% people come in, then you know the recruitment, there's something wrong with the recruitment and the training and the strategy of the organization. So those are the things that we, uh, we're looking uh, all about. Then you go into higher levels and you don't, from the lowest to the higher levels, you talk about the wellness of the organization. Uh, like John have said, we talk about the culture in the organization. Is it the toxic culture? Is it the open culture? What is the, the, the growth rate? Is the career pathing in this organization or is there no career pathing? It's just a money, money spinning organization where people is just numbers and the, 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 the owners and the, and the stakeholders is just making a lot of money. So those are the things just in a nutshell. Uh, uh, I don't know, Nicolene, if you want to add. No, no, I, there's very little that I can add. But but for me, important, um, Pelham, is that um, I want to have conversations, you know, like with people. I want to understand their thinking. I want to understand the environment where they are. Um, and that is, for me, very important. And also talking about um, professionalism. Um, you know, like sometimes one would be surprised to find that the people don't always know what, what's the, what does this word mean? Um, to be a professional what does it mean you know like within my industry you know like and and for me it's it's good to have conversations with people you know like and try to detect you know like what's going on um i don't want to wait for people to come to me for example as an industrial psychologist um okay and that's um that's how i work um i want to go out to the people you know like and talk to them and i, I need and when you say about the different jargons you know like organizational psychologists and those i actually wanted to add and say you know what the only time when we as academics agree about something is to disagree about something so there are so many jargons and so on out there um so but um i think that uh, and i and john also mentioned that um is that it's something that is not very much known you know like um into the in the security industry and i think we're responsible to go out there you know mm -hmm. like and start making ourselves you know like really um visible um, because in the end of the day, you know, like we can't operate in silos, you know, like uh, we coming from different areas really need to start supporting one another, you know, like one way or the other. Yeah. And, and, and like Nicolene, just to add to what you say, Palam, I think one of the thing is, I think in London, if I remember, is it ISI or somebody that is a regulating body? SIA. I think that is where Monet and I had a long discussion where I then had the discussion with him and he pulled me because one of the things that I think they're neglecting is the whole thing of, of professionalization because the industry doesn't look after itself when it comes to professionalization and to say, okay, what is a, what is a professional body need to start? What, where do we start and, 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 and how do we take, you know, really, really cognizance about this industry when it comes to our people, you know? That comment will be popular with quite a lot of our listeners and quite a, quite a few <laughs> contributors to this podcast as well. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, so like I'm putting myself in my own shoes, I guess, and, and that of the listeners. So, um, so you know, I, I'm a EP agent, let's say, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, I, I work for myself. You know, I'm, I'm a self-contractor. I pick up. Uh, a security task here and there, short term, they come, they go, they end. You know, I have a limited amount of budget and time for professional development, but I, I understand the importance of this message, but I don't know what to do, you know, as a self-employed 
executive protector. Mm. What what do you suggest? What where do yeah. I turn? Where yeah. do I get more yeah. information? Yeah. What what can I yeah. do on my own? And what resources are yeah. there out there? Yeah, John, this is a very, very critical question. I think very important question. I think we need to, re you know, take a step back and say one of the services, I think you talk about, and, and as soon as you say, I'm looking after myself, you're talking about us as an entrepreneur. So you, you think about, you know, you're not only a military guy, but you're also a business guy. The question is, who taught you business skills? Who taught you about business? How do you, how does an entrepreneur think? And that is the thing when I talk about, where I just talked about is say, there should be more to be provided by the industry uh, or what you talk about your body. Uh, you just mentioned it, the ICE, the, what, what did they call it, Pelham? Uh, uh, your, your security regulator? SIA. Th that should be part and partial of services that I provide to young people to say, we would like to, 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 to also give you not only to regulate you and to make sure that you tick the boxes of compliance. That doesn't mean that you do anything. It's just a tick box, but we can also provide you with certain services or access to certain services. That's why you pay membership fees. Part of this membership fees to belong to this entity should be access to People that can provide you some 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 uh, thoughts on how to position yourself, how to franchise yourself, or how to become an entrepreneur, and then also like people like us to work with your teams, to work with you. You know, that's the ideas that that we can think about to make it you know af not affordable but accessible. Because I don't think it's something that you should pay for. It's something that can can be offered to you. I also I agree with Nico because you know like as part you know like um and that's a very good question um. John, you know, like um, as part of being part of a, a profession, yes. you are being provided with opportunities and we call it yeah, continuous professional development, CPD points. Um, you know, like, so if you have a profession, you've got access to that. But I think what's important for me also, and I'm talk, putting my hat on from a higher education institutional perspective, I also think that we are responsible, mm -hmm. um, you know, like really um, for educating people out there, you know, like, and we need to make ourselves more visible and say, listen, this is what we have to offer um, to the security mm -hmm. industry. And we also need to go out and do a needs analysis, um, you know, like and see really, you know, like what are the needs of our people in security there, you know, like and see um, how we can address that. Mm -hmm. And another thing, what is very important and in a uh, trend, you know, like within a work life, um, I don't know if you heard about the longevity dividend. Um, so what's going to happen is that it's not going to be retirement anymore. So it's not going to be, it's going to be very interesting going into the future, you know, like you're actually going to have um, people 100 years and older um, working side to side. So it brings us with another conundrum in terms of, you know, like how are we going to upskill and reskill these individuals? That's a matter in which phase, you know, like you are, it's continuous development process. And I think we are at an ideal mm. opportunity now, you know, like we really can start with something really special, you know, like within a security industry, you know, like, and really start making resources available yeah. and educate, educate, educate people. And I think also, sorry, um, Nico, um, and I think what would be wonderful for me is, is to tap, I mean, John, you've got a lot of experience. Mm. I mean, you know, like, and I've just mentioned the um, community, you know, like um, project. Um, we are not educated in communities, really, you know, like the security issues out there. Now imagine, you know, like if we can bring in experts such as yourself with your experience, you know, like, and, and educating people, telling them about, listen, this is what we need to watch out um, for. So I think it's a vice versa. Mm. Um, relationship you know like we we can really jointly um support one another 
Yeah. Spellum, just to add to what Nicolina said, and, and, and just another term that we that we coined, and 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 and, and, and just what John said. I mean, he's one person. How do you, how do he diversify himself? And we talk about and the industry. How do we take that knowledge and we talk manage it? Knowledge management. How do we standardize? How do we put it somewhere and say, you know what, on a system where people can tap into that knowledge? Because if John is not there, what's going to happen with all that? And I think if John is not the only one, there's a lot of his. Uh, expertise that get lost in the system, you know? How do we pull it together? How do we put out there? And how do we triplicate that and say, okay, like train the trainer programs? How do we do that? And 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 we, we take and say, okay, you know what? We need more Johns out there. We need no more people like that out there, but with a different focus because we have this expertise. And like 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 Nicolene said, how do we take that into the community? Say, okay, I mean, for, for me, I mean, in South Africa, we, we got a lot of farm attacks, for instance. How do we train people that's not military, for instance, housewife, to be aware about specific stuff, just stuff that we don't even, uh, if you come into a house, what to look for? What is an awareness? Schools, those people, you know, the, the first responder. People are not trained in those things. They think it's not going to happen. How do we not take that knowledge? That's what John have said, the culture must come from where we where we change the term from military to all of us, you community service or community safety, you know, how do we take that into another level where we add value to, to our industry to say, it's not about me making money, but we also contribute to the, to the, the safety and security of every person in this global community. Sorry, Nico, I'm just the last thing that I want to add is that, um, for example, you know, if you have to take a country like South Africa, um, our unemployment is very, very high. And likewise, our crime is really also high. So I also see the security um, industry really as a job creator, you know, like so. And as soon as we are starting, you know, like creating jobs, and I'm thinking, John, with your entrepreneurial background, there are so many people, you know, like who want to work, but who doesn't get the opportunity. So imagine if you can have a situation where you can get more, you know, like security, you know, like entrepreneurs. There are so many golden opportunities, you know, like where you can really have a win-win situation, you know, like more educated security, you know, like um, less crime, more employment opportunities. So I think the opportunities mm. really are endless um, to do something out there. Yeah. Very good. We need to we need to think about how uh, to reflect for our EP community. And, uh, and and as John said, it is it is rather difficult, isn't it? Seeing yourself in mm. a bigger hole um, mm. and uh, and, you know, you might not be in a corporate structure. So where does this uh, apply to you perhaps you can see how someone is practicing organizational psychology on you uh maybe 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 you're a, a piece of the puzzle maybe you want to affect change in an organization but you don't have the corporate language to use yeah. that they're using yeah. so you know lots of lots of different angles we can go for um and I must reflect again. It is great to uh, to see you again, and of course, you were there at the very first Close Protection Technology Forum, um, where where you did bring up organisational psychology, even even then. So uh, so so it's not completely uh, out of the ordinary. No, thanks, um, Bella. Perfect. So from John and myself, this has been a fantastic look at industrial and organisational psychology in the world of security and EP. It's been a pleasure having you, Nico and Nicolene, on. And uh, uh, we're very grateful for having you. This has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast.
Well, thank you, Nico and Nicolene, for joining us. It was great to include that, I, you know, initially tangential area onto the world of EP. But I think we've drawn some great nuggets out of it. Um, John, what did you take away from today's session? Well, I've got a lot more questions now than when I started. So when we when we did that intro, I was more or less in the dark, or at least I thought so at the time. You know, I think uh, Nico particularly was able to put some things into perspective for me there. Uh, you know, I was, as we were going through that interview, I was re reflecting on a few different areas in, you know, my career to date where I'd either felt like, okay, yeah, I've experienced, you know, the this industrial psychology at work, the particularly uh, you know, when Nico was talking about how to deal with your emotions after and during uh, particular uh, events and situations, you know, and then the whole broader uh, subject of talent management. So, yeah, it, it, it's informed and it's given me a thirst and I've got more questions, but in a, in a really good way. And and that's perhaps the testament to a to a great episode. And you know, hey, answers on a postcard. Maybe you too have questions. Maybe you would love to engage with Nico and Nicolene. And uh, you know, industrial psychology is in fact very important because lots of people, yes, admittedly, it might go off and do some criminology degree, some uh, you know, crime psychology degree. And I get that. But you want to build a business. You want to build an effective team. And that's where I believe industrial psychology will come into its own. Uh, and hey, a lot of the self-help books that I know our listeners uh, read, uh, because I also watch those inspirational YouTube videos, they are replete with industrial psychology uh, examples. Uh, but uh, but we don't need to go into that because it's good to leave it with the academics or the pracademics, as Nicolene uh, said. Right. Uh, apart from that, what have we got coming up, John? Well, we're into the final throws now of putting together this issue of the Circuit Magazine, uh, you know, it, it's always a big event for us. And, uh, you know, we, we're out there beating the drums, as always, uh, for, for contributors. Probably not going to make this issue, but uh, we've always got one in the pipeline. So if there's anybody with anything burning on their chest that, you know, they want to discuss with the with our community, then we'd love to hear from you. But also, you know, just as a as a general um, awareness campaign, you know, the new issue, issue 64, will be coming out very soon. And there's uh, some really great features in there. Still haven't decided on the uh, cover uh, feature yet, which I know is always something that people look forward to, to see what's what's going to be leading the issue uh, for this, this particular uh, edition. Yeah, I, I do look forward to that. And it is um, even even for me exciting because it sets the tone. And and, and sometimes it, it's really quite provocative. And I, and I like that. I think that's 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 a great way to start each magazine. And and hey, we try and be provocative on the podcast. We're bringing the pages of the magazine to life. So I, I wholeheartedly agree um, in, in the in the event calendar space. Of course, um, we, the Circuit Magazine, have a stand at uh, the CP World Forum on the 12th of the uh, November. So uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, come come say hello. 
Um, I know that Elijah is very active at the CP forum just ahead of the IPSB in Las Vegas. So that, you know, is of course, uh, places that are, at least I will be. And, and, and uh, we, we, we look forward to seeing you there. And <laughs> never too early to put the eighth annual Executive Security Closed Protection Technology Forum, 26th January, on your diary. And as we said, segue to Nico. Nico very kindly spoke at the first one back in 2016. So I don't know. Good segue there, isn't it? Great. So I hope everyone enjoyed today's session. Yes, it's a little bit different to our usual approach, but I think it added a lot. Plus, these are people who have been involved with EP for a long time, so they know why it might fit. It's been great talking to Nico and Nicoli. Uh, great shout out to our South African friends, of course. And uh, it's it's really, really exciting to see why industrial psychology could apply to you, the protector. So from John and myself, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.